This week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast is sponsored by ArtBase. Are you managing an art collection, an artist studio, or a gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? We think so. Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. You just enter your data once and use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and much more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used on the cloud from any location on any device. So what are you waiting for? Go to artbase.com now to learn more and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount. Over the past 12 years, the Art Tactic podcast has grown to be a leading art market podcast. Each week we share an exclusive in-depth interview with a key art world insider. As we move into a new phase of programming, we want our broadcast to be listener-supported and create content that you want to hear, not what we think you want to hear. You can support us by visiting contribute.to slash arttactic. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. It's Armory Week in New York City. It's great to have this week back in the art world calendar after missing it last year due to the pandemic. We have the Armory Show, the Independent Art Fair, and speaking of which, make sure to check out last week's episode with Katie Aquaro from The Independent in case you missed it. It was fantastic. We also have an extraordinary number of excellent gallery shows opening this week. It's a jam-packed week of art events, and anyone who's coming into town, please let me know. It'd be great to see you there. In this week's episode, we chat with a gallery who will be exhibiting at the Armory this week. We speak with Davida Nemiroff, owner of Night Gallery, and William Hathaway, partner and sales director at Night Gallery. Davida and William speak with us about a variety of fascinating topics relating to the art world, and they offer incredible insights into running a very successful gallery in LA. So we hope you enjoyed the episode, and thanks so much for listening. Vita and William, thanks so much for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks. So welcome. Yeah, we're happy to be here. So I think we should start with some really exciting news that I just learned, actually. You're opening a new, larger gallery space in November in LA. We'd love to hear more about the new space and also what are what are some of the major factors that went into your thought process when deciding on moving forward with an expansion like this, especially considering the pandemic and just what we've been through the last 18 months. Yeah, well, we have been kind of talking about doing some sort of additional space for a few years now. Um, and this is definitely like an additional space, not we're not moving um, from our current location. So, yeah, it's definitely an expansion. And um, we hadn't found the right kind of space or, you know, I sort of always knew that it had to be near our current location as opposed to having like a pop-up somewhere else in the city or in another city, just from a logistical standpoint of like what our operations are like and our staff and everything like that. Um, And then the opportunity came up that this large uh, warehouse building next door to us became available. And all it needed was a lot of PLC and some vision. And uh, we rented it and um, have been working on it since April. And it's about 
twice the footprint of our current location. So it's 14,000 square feet. And it's a beautiful, like very rare, like downtown LA warehouse building, kind of re reminiscent of like old New York um, or even like uh, Europe, a European Kunstall type building, like large windows and a beautiful double bow truss ceiling that's in for, for everything else, the condition of the building the ceiling was actually in very good shape. So you just keep your eyes up. Keep looking up. That's <laughs> good. Um, but yeah, I guess like during the pandemic, we realized how much like back of house operations were critical to the success of the business and how much space we really need, not necessarily for exhibitions, but also for photography, storage, like the amount of work that goes in and out of the gallery is like pretty um, pretty substantial and oftentimes surprising to the the to you know to us even yeah. <laughs> uh, and our staff and so just having extra space is I think going to be pivotal in our growth and also having like just having um, close proximity to that extra space without having to divide the staff in such a crucial way like for example having one staff here and one staff in like West Hollywood I think would be much harder whereas here we can float um, sort of effortlessly between the two buildings and ultimately here at our current location we're sort of like just you know bumping into each other all the time and sort of outgrown the space and uh, most importantly, I think the artists are really excited about having a new additional exhibition space to work with. So some of the artists have done like two or three solo shows at this space. Um, and I think giving them something new to work with is always exciting. I think one of the key points too is just, you know, as the staff, as we are growing, the staff is getting bigger. And, you know, as it currently stands, we, we, had, a front, we had a desk that we all sit around we have, it we have it at we all sit around and initially big enough for four people or five people and we added a top on you know added to it so that we could then fit seven people around one table and i think now um you know we're just we're, we're it's going to be nice to have the extra space to work yeah when we built this space we didn't really have the um the knowledge of like what uh, like the operations of a gallery, right? It was really kind of concentrated on the exhibition space, very little on storage, very little on staff. And now it's kind of the opposite. You need to have a lot for storage and a lot for staff. And, you know, of course, substantial exhibition spaces, but the larger the exhibition spaces, the more, um, the more demanding that is on the artist. And sometimes it's like too demanding. You can't really make, spontaneous moves if someone is expected to make 15 like large paintings you know so it's like nice to have actually smaller exhibition spaces that we can like um, introduce new artists continue showing of course our beloved artists uh, and of course putting together like back of house presentations as well as storage yeah the new space is going to have uh, an additional um kind of thousand square foot space that can be both for exhibitions or for private viewings. Um, you know, we already had a couple of private viewings in there this summer so, and it went really well. And so it's exciting to have um, just that kind of that more space to have the private conversation. Yeah, that's all really interesting. And 
as you said, there's a lot more that goes into a gallery space than the exhibition area. Um, there's many different facets that need to be considered. You know, I feel like the new space is an investment in the city of Los Angeles. I've always had an enjoyable experience when I go to LA for an art trip, whether it's Freeze LA or just going to gallery and museum shows and seeing collectors and artists. It feels like the art scene in LA has really taken off in the last few years. Of course, visiting a city is very different than living in a city. What would you say are some of the ways LA has changed even in the past few years when it comes to the LA art scene? Well, I just want to um, mention that this is definitely like an investment in our area of Los Angeles, which is very specific um, and sort of different than the rest of the city, you know, downtown Los Angeles. Um, like we have been, we have been uh, lucky enough to have a number of other galleries come and join us in this neighborhood. Um, however, it is like, not necessarily walking friendly. Um, there isn't a, a coffee shop. Yeah, like it, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's still like a very important uh, and magical part of Los Angeles. And I think um, in terms of the scene here, like it's kind of, I mean, it's certainly like bubbling out of control or maybe not bubbling out of control but certainly like very robust um and there's a lot of galleries that are opening up satellite spaces or pop-up spaces and things like that and i think overall that's good i mean i would say that's probably good for the general market here but it doesn't necessarily impact what our goals are and what our like um how we see our gallery, like, uh, and its relationship to Los Angeles. Like, ours is not a superficial one. It's, like, very much rooted in L.A. And us taking on these kind of larger spaces and dedicating resources to the infrastructure of the space rather than just, like, a veneer gallery space is, um, is just part of actually our attempt to have a global reach versus a local reach, you know? Like we're very much an LA gallery. We show a lot of Los Angeles-based artists, many of whom who actually just recently moved to Los Angeles to be closer to the gallery so that they, so that we as collaborators can better serve each other. I just think that we don't really have a very, I don't know, I don't really, I feel like we have a much larger reach than the local scene. Um, when it comes to collectors, I feel like we are very tapped into the local artist scene here. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, does that seem like we, I would say we do like certainly like most of our business outside of the right. Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, kind of touching on just how it's changed. I, I do think that, um, for years, all the artists were here. You know, you had the artists and then you had a few galleries. Um, and really the key to surviving or doing well in L.A. was, was really being a part of the community. You know, the, the L.A. collectors weren't going to buy from galleries who just moved into town and were, you know, New York galleries ready to, to capitalize on the collectors here. Um, a lot of those collectors went to New York to buy art. So, uh, and then they, then they only really bought from the local galleries that they were close with, that they'd been supporting from the beginning. Um, and I think that 
that that's changed now. I think a lot of collectors are coming to LA to buy art. Um, and um, I think that that's, you know, for us, as Davida is saying, has very, been very great because now we have people coming in from New York to buy. We don't have to necessarily go to New York to buy, um, okay. to, to sell, um, or to, you know, London or, um, you know, the fairs are obviously very important um, because you do meet new people. But um, certainly with um, freeze kind of expanding, um, there is this kind of new energy around Los Angeles in terms of coming here and buying um, and and participating in what the local galleries are doing. Um, I think people are starting to see that because the artists are here, you know, some of the best work is here. And the younger galleries that are showing those artists um, are getting a lot more exposure. So it, it's, I think it's really exciting to see as somebody who started in, you know, I guess 2006 or 2005, um, I really felt like there was a great energy even back then. Um, and there was kind of something to really be excited about. And so uh, I certainly feel validated um, in my decision to kind of choose LA over New York. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I think with the great museums, the increasing number of artists moving to LA, more and more galleries opening, there's so much to do in LA right now. I actually have FOMO every time I come because I know I just won't be able to do everything I want to do because there's only so much time and you're constrained to an extent, right, by how spread out the city is. And I think Uber obviously was a really big part of that is it allowed people to come. And I mean, I, I, it's frustrating now because it's, you know, so difficult, but um, the ride shares really have, I actually think, made a huge difference uh, yeah. to the gallery world um, because now having galleries separating, you know, in different neighborhoods of the city, is, it's less of an issue. Um, so it's, it's kind of wild to think about that, but uh, I think we, we do galleries owe a lot to ride shares. Wow, that's that's a great point. I often think about the ways in which different technologies have impacted the art world, but I never considered Uber, but that's a great point. So we had a few galleries on the podcast early on during the pandemic, and we understood how it was impacting them. Now that we're about a year and a half into it, and you know we've been through a lot of ups and downs, and hopefully we continue to head towards the end of this thing. But if we look back at the height of the pandemic, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges of that experience? And on a more positive note, do you feel it helped you and the industry evolve in any meaningful ways? Certainly for me, <laughs> being a parent of uh, a kindergartner and a second grader, uh, also a, you know, a sales director of a gallery during the pandemic um, and all the other things that happened, it was incredibly challenging um, to be a to be a teacher, to be a father, and um, and obviously uh, helping uh, keep the gallery moving forward. Um, so I think there were a lot of challenges early on. I think we have such a good team that we were able to kind of stay close and talk, you know, on Zooms every week and a couple of days of times a week. And um, we also had, you know, artists making, still making great work. Um, but it was certainly really challenging. Uh, and I think the thing that I think you always hear is that it slows down and, you know, the conversations that I wasn't able to have with collectors, I was now able to have. So, uh, you know, people were open to discovery. They were open to having conversations, talking about artists maybe that, you know, I really loved and it, they hadn't really had the time to kind of, you know, dig deeper into their, into their work or look at a lot of different images. So 
uh, I, I thought that aspect of it was really wonderful because um, I really just, I started to connect with collectors on another level. Um, and also we were all going through the same thing. So, you know, a collector that, you know, didn't really ever hear about their children. And now, you know, we're talking about kids and um, it just, I think you, the relationships became a little bit stronger and, um, you know, just feeling more connected to the community um, uh, was, was helpful. Yeah. But showed a little bit more humanity. Yeah. Which I think that our world can always use. Of course. And then in terms of a business perspective, I think that the, that the art world was very well situated uh, to handle a pivot to online kind of it's like what these online exhibitions, online purchasing, like we were so well equipped for that, you know, platforms that had existed prior to the pandemic that had uh, cemented the legitimacy of buying work online um, definitely gave collectors a lot of confidence um, and artists trusting their galleries and just like long-term relationships, being able to uh, thrive in the pandemic. I mean, without a doubt, the early days of the pandemic were some of the most terrifying, uh, you know, experiences like not knowing what the future was going to be like. Um, And then, you know, we sort of just continued to program, to have exhibitions, to, you know, photography is such a huge part. Um, We had an in-house photographer, which, you know, you could just kind of get things done. Yeah, the gift of all gifts was having an in-house photographer, who was also our head prep. So we were very well situated and he was like incredibly hardworking and generous with his time and, um, you know, enabled us to uh, thrive uh, during the pandemic. And then, of course, you're not, you know, from an expense perspective, you weren't spending money on art fairs or travel or these kinds of things. So you were able actually to turn it around um, and sort of normalize uh, the growth at the same time, you know? We'll see how it is going forward now as art fairs return um, and, you know, more galleries are... It seems like galleries keep opening and opening and opening, but, you know, that's part of, like, the challenge uh, and drive of running a gallery. And I I do also, that's a good point about the fairs. Like, it it puts the emphasis back on exhibitions, too, which I think is something we've, we've missed. Um, you know, art fairs used to be things that artists didn't want to participate in. They didn't give new work. It wasn't, it wasn't cool. You know, I mean, this is obviously 10 years ago. Um, you know, recent years, we've all, it's always all the newest work and, oh, well, I just want to wait to see what you have for the fair. And, um, and I really think, you know, just reminding collectors and the world that exhibitions is really where the best work is, um, where you get to see an artist who's really, put in all their effort and their time into something and, you know, giving birth to an idea, to an exhibition is, is the, you know, the reason why we do this job. It's one of the best parts about, for me, working is having, you know, all the images done, the exhibition set up, you know, lighting, everything just looks amazing. And that's kind of the most exciting part of, I think, working at a gallery is that day, but, you know, that first day after an opening where everything is, is set um, is really exciting. And I think that that, that was 
kind of nice to really put the emphasis back on exhibitions and, and the focus on um, the artists that were being shown at that time. And another thing is that um, I think it, it, the pandemic did make us a sort of pivot into doing complimentary online viewing rooms for our exhibitions so that people who are not here in person are able to get a better sense of the exhibition, like in a virtual sense. I do think that there's some, there's more dimension on those online viewing rooms than there had previously been on the website, for example. However, I think that like the online viewing rooms for art fairs maybe like aren't going to last or stay relevant. You know, there was a few really great ones at the beginning, but it just seems like the way in which like the art fairs try to implement a kind of VIT status and um, I don't know, like they try and do that. They they try and like pace it out and it ultimately ends up, I think, being really confusing and um, and sort of like a... And less effective. Yeah, less effective and... And the magic is being at the fair. Yeah, the work. absolutely. I mean, kind of, the magic is definitely the work, you know. That's one thing that we have, um, that we always come back to. Like, even though we can sell work online, the magic is the work, you know. And it's our job to convey the magic through conversations, through images, through online viewing rooms, through writing, through text, uh, to the collector. Um, and then, of course, like, we are, like, all super satisfied when the collector receives the work and feels similarly to us. Yeah. I also just want to note, sorry, Adam, that it is incredibly challenging. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, this, what the staff has to go through to get these online viewing rooms together is an immense amount of work. Um, and so uh, it, it just, I just want everybody who sees them to know that there is so much work that goes into them and, um, you know, everybody should be applauded for, for just how much effort and work goes into them. I appreciate what both of you said. They're really insightful reflections on the past year and a half. And I think you're right in that the pandemic, it really brought the art community together in a lot of ways. And I remember galleries reopening last September. Gosh, that was a year ago now. And honestly, just walking in and showing up, being someone who took in an exhibition, all that hard work by the artist and the gallery to put it on, you felt like you were making a difference just by showing up. And when it comes to the art fairs, I think it's all about developing existing relationships and building new relationships. And it was tough going so long without seeing people in this community, but I'm hopeful that this week at the Armory and the Independent, it'll feel as close to normal as it's been since the pandemic. And hopefully people come away feeling good about the experience. Yeah, and I think like if we're wearing masks and stuff, it'll be okay. We'll still be able to like, you know, I feel like we've become accustomed to like having real social experiences while masked. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, of course, like not wear a mask, but like you can still have a meaningful conversation with somebody uh, and a meaningful interaction with somebody uh, and obviously protect yourself and others while wearing a mask. Absolutely. Now, I do want to ask you a question really focused on the art market. I feel like we get a pulse of where things are in the market by seeing auction results, but that's, of course, just one part of the art world. 
I wanted to ask you, how are things going at the gallery? Is it very active at the moment? How does it compare to earlier during the pandemic and even before it? Well, um, I guess like we, that gallery has been on a, like a growth trajectory for the last 10, 11 years since it opened. Um, and I think that if you look at that graph now, you would see a continuation of growth, which I think like has to do with um, all of the work we've done before the pandemic, as well as work we did during the pandemic as well as Night Gallery cementing itself as a brand that not only like um, introduces new talent, but also continues to foster and support artists who are thriving right now. We happen to like work with like an incredible group of artists, um, many of whom are just like taking off. I mean, they were taken off before the pandemic, they've taken off now. Um, and I think us as a gallery have we're able to collaborate with some of the like bigger galleries that they're working with too. So that's also really a great working experience. Um, I think we're able to show up, deliver, produce, sell, collaborate. Like we can kind of, we can, we can be there, you know, we can compete. Um, and also do it in a way that uh, I, I always kind of like, try and uh, perpetuate a like kind of uh, take the higher take the higher road um, let's you know like long term yeah long term big picture friendly supportive nurturing um, you know these kind of like morals that the gallery has or um, you know like we don't have a plaque or We're anything we're not trying to get in fights you know, yeah. we're really just trying to really like pr- propel the artists forward um, and, you know, work with artists that want to work with us and work with galleries that want to collaborate, collaborate. And I think you go in with kind of a, a positive outlook and, you know, the best intentions, uh, you tend to find galleries to work with that are, that are, have a similar kind of idea, um, which is, you know, makes everything easier you know, when you get along with the gallery that you're sharing an artist with. Um, And that there's always the potential for, um, you know, a silver lining or a learning lesson or, you know, even if that lesson is don't work with those people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Overall, like, you know, to have uh, maintain a certain kind of like professionalism and positive uh, attitude that I think like does, does produce like better results, yeah. um, you know, and it's not about like, it's about bringing more people to the table and, um, yeah. and trying to like surprise ourselves. Yeah. And I think that getting to kind of that kind of into your market question, I think, you know, we've just been able to bring more people to the gallery with these new relationships and with the growth of the gallery so that, um, you know, we've been able to, like, I guess uh, no one gets priced out. You know, I think that everybody kind of, there's... Some people do. Well, well some, but, but there's <laughs> collectors, but, we're, but the collectors that have been with us for a long time. Continue to bring to, new artists. New artists, you know, so it's like they're, I just feel like we are very much a gallery where, you know, uh, 
however the market is going, we kind of, um, I think, fit in nicely with where it is. Like when I first started working here, you know, nobody was really buying figuration and Night Gallery was only showing figuration, really. And as it's grown, figuration has become such an important part of the market. And, um, and, you know, we've started to add more abstract artists and it seems like abstraction is, you know, coming back into style or, you know, there's some, you know, more emphasis on it. And, and, you know, the gallery has obviously always been very diverse. Um, and so, you know, I think the, just the idea of what Night Gallery is and brings to the art world is, is something that's very, um, just well, fits in, um, fits in nicely. Well, to William's point, it's kind of interesting because, like, uh, I feel like Night Gallery is often dubbed as a kind of trend-setting gallery or something. That's like a just a constant like tagline for the gallery, and um, I think that that may be true. But when the trend becomes so powerful, I do think that somehow we've moved on. <laughs> you know, like I, there's. I don't necessarily see Night Gallery as like a trendy gallery. I do see the artists here being like uh, forefronters of their generation and their conversation. Um, and I think there's kind of a difference between those two things. Let's say that like we have maintained a lot of collectors and we've also like met a lot of new collectors during the pandemic. And a lot of that is um, through these conversations, right? Like people having more time, as William said, and, and uh, William and Brian spending more time on the phone uh, with collectors. And um, also the gallery being a place to, a destination place to visit. I know many people, myself included, believe you've done a great job identifying talented artists when they're really young or just starting off and then you end up working with them at the gallery. It's amazing to see how some artist practices evolve so much in just a few years out of school. A lot of artists listen to this podcast. Can you share some advice for artists who are maybe just finishing school and are trying to find their aesthetic and their voice in their practice and really trying to take their art to the next level? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I do this often. I've <laughs> been <laughs> invited. You know, I feel like that's sort of where I shine is actually like with the artists. Um, and especially like in a artists who are starting out and, um, and, you know, I have said this for years and I really believe this and I've seen it kind of work for other artists is really like, and this was actually told to me, like when I graduated from um, Columbia MFA program in 2009 with so many of artists that I actually continue to work with, uh, you know, Jerry Seltz gave our speech and he said like you know look around the room these are your peers these are the people you're going to work with and um, I really took that to heart and uh, and I continue to work with so many of those artists even artists that I haven't even worked with yet but that I went to school with that whose work I'm thinking about who I'm in a better position now to like produce something larger you know it's just kind of really interesting so I would say to those uh, artists that like you know, your peer group is super important uh, and can be the uh, the engine that propels you forward, you know? Like the conversation, the context, 
um, possibly even like the gallery space or the artist-run space where you get to exercise these ideas before showing up to a big gallery and demanding a show, you know? Um, I really believe in that. And then the other is just to continue working. <laughs> you know, it, it is really, really challenging. And if you're interested in a gallery program, I think like uh, showing up and if you can't show up, be present online and, and continue to like develop a relationship with that gallery. And I swear over time, it works. <laughs> you know, like you can break me down. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and yeah. it's just like, you know, if you're really, really interested and really, really uh enthusiastic about a gallery's program, well, that's like the greatest compliment ever. If you show up to a gallery and just expect the gallery to look at your work, but you don't know any of the artists that the gallery shows or you haven't been to their gallery space and you don't understand how really hard it is to run a gallery and what a huge sacrifice it is uh, on one's like life, then I would say, I do. <laughs> you know, I just like, I can't, I really can't connect with people like that. But I actually work with a number of artists who, you know, I met through coming to the gallery, um, you know, over and over for years. And then eventually, like, you know, maybe they invited me a few times and I went over and, and you know, relationships start getting built and conversations start happening. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of, that is a big way how it works. And, and meeting multiple people at the gallery too, I think is, you know, I know that for me personally, like I've done studio visits with artists and have said, I think you need to keep working. And, uh, but then, you know, somebody else at the gallery meets them and a couple of years later, their work change, you know, is better. And, uh, and, you know, then a studio visit comes through another, through another channel. Um, but I think, what David is right. It's just making work. You need to keep making work and being positive and um, and trying to connect with uh, the people at the galleries that you really can, you know, aspire to be a part of. But also your peer group, you know, back to your peer group. Like, yeah. I do think like Night Gallery started as like a post-studio practice, uh, post-grad school uh, practice and was really a, a way for like, us as graduates to stay connected. And then of course it evolved and now it's something different. But when it started, it was definitely like, it was the late night conversations in the studio uh, transformed into a, a space dedicated for exhibition at night. And thus the name Night Gallery. I, th I think that's great advice. And I think with something like social media specifically Instagram, it's a great platform and it makes it even easier to make these connections and sustain connections with your peers. And so as an artist, if you have that entrepreneurial mindset, you can be really proactive there and develop a lot of new relationships and really just put yourself out there. And, you know, the more people you meet, the more connections you have, the more potential opportunities you'll have in the future. That really isn't a rule necessarily just for artists. It's for anyone in life, no matter what industry you're in. But I think it's definitely applicable for artists. I definitely think Instagram is a hu hugely powerful tool. I've like seen work on Instagram that I've followed up on. I've met, a, like, you know, 
I think like during the pandemic, that was the number one way I met okay. new artists. You know? Danielle. Danielle McKinney, Tanya Monsell, uh, this new artist, Marina Kim, um, are all artists that I, whose work I first saw on Instagram and then um, have since obviously developed proper in-person relationships with. Um, but it's definitely through the addiction of scrolling, which, you know, I'm also upset about. Um, but I... <laughs> I mean, it's a, you have to constantly be hunting. You have to be, like, you know, constantly looking, constantly sourcing, like, um, you know, by the time someone... <laughs> well, I think that's why I was saying, like, it's always good to know somebody else at the galley other than just the owner or the, the partner, the principal, because, um, you know, every, you know, everybody has a voice, certainly here at this gallery, and we're always, you know, sitting around a big table and mentioning artists and things come up. So, um, you know, valuable to, to just stay connected. Definitely. David and William, we really appreciate you coming onto the podcast and chatting with us about so many fascinating topics. We really value your insights. And before we let you go, we would love it if you can just tell us about some of the exhibitions you have planned coming up this fall. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, here at uh, Night Gallery South, which is like what we're dubbing our current location, um, we're going to open up our season with two really exciting shows, uh, AWOL Arizku and Susan Chen. Um, and then at our new space, which we're calling the Gallery North, um, Samara Golden is going to do the, uh, a new installation to inaugurate the space. And that will open probably like in November. And another thing about that space is that the shows will be they will last longer. They will be sort of like bigger productions. They will be, um, so they won't be on the same schedule. And of course, uh, in the the other exhibition space at Night Gallery North, Grant Lucero will be presenting uh, a brand new installation as well. And then we have, a, you know, we have Sarah We have uh, Canadian artist Darby Milbrath who's going to be doing a show with us, her first show in the U.S. Uh, and Libby, Paul Heyer, Elizabeth Yeager, Freeze London, Armory, Freeboot, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas Archer, I love it. And I'm having a big so, um, you know, we have our hands full, to say the least. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a really busy fall. Well, congrats again on the new space, and we really appreciate you joining us. If our listeners want to learn more about uh, the gallery and the programming, what's the best website for them to visit? It's nightgallery.ca. Perfect. David and William, thanks so much again. Thank you, Adam. Really thanks, appreciate Adam. it. Yeah. See you soon. See you in New York. Definitely. See you soon. We want to thank ArtBase for sponsoring this week's episode of the Art Tactic Podcast. Are you managing an art collection, an artist, studio, or gallery? Is it time to bring your collection management skills up to a professional level? Well, ArtBase is the right software to manage your art business. ArtBase allows you to track your artworks and contacts in an easy-to-use, powerful database. All you do is enter your data once, and you use that data to generate reports, offers, contracts, and a bunch more. They've got a brand new version out with a whole new look that can be used in the cloud from any location on any device. So go to ArtBase.com now to learn more, and be sure to mention Art Tactic for a 15% discount.